Hi everyone, I'm Tamar Hassan and you're listening to Lennox for Everyone, episode 24. Hi, this is Pierre and we are listening to Linux for Everyone in Spain. Welcome home. Hey everyone, welcome back to Linux for Everyone. This is the show about desktop Linux, open source software, and the community creating and enjoying it. My name is Jason Evangelo. You can also find me writing Linuxy stuff over at Forbes. But who cares about that? Because Tamir Hassan introduced this episode of Linux for Everyone. In case you guys don't know, he starred alongside Daniel Craig in, I think it was the 2004 movie Layer Cake. And he is also in the TV series Snatch, which is based on the Guy Ritchie film of the same name, and lots of other fine productions. So thank you very much to Gregory Hudson for acquiring that amazing introduction to the show. Coming up a little bit later in the show, I'll be joined by Wendy Hill. She is a professional photographer and also one of the three co-hosts of the brand new podcast on Destination Linux Network called Hardware Addicts. Episode one is out right now at hardwareaddicts.org, or you can also go to destinationlinux.network. And I'm really enthused about this one because it is a show for hardware lovers, hardware enthusiasts. And although DLN is a Linux first podcast network, this is not the kind of show where, hey, we're only going to talk about the, this hardware and these announcements if they relate somehow to Linux and open source. I was actually surprised. By the time I got through the first 25 minutes, I had not heard Linux mentioned once. And I think that's awesome because the show has a bit of mainstream appeal. It can it can really sink its teeth into people who have that craving for the hardware news and building and tinkering and making and things like that, while also kind of being this gentle doorway into Linux. So really, kudos to DosGeek and Michael Tunnell and Wendy Hill for episode one. You guys definitely check it out. Episodes Discovery of the Week is an app that I think your ears and, and other people's ears will appreciate. It was brought to my attention by listener Brad M. And he sent me an email, which you can do too, linuxforeveryone at pm.me. Here's what he had to say. Hey, Jason, I just wanted to share an app pick with you that I think you'll find cool and hopefully useful. I shared this with Noah of the Ask Noah Show, also a part of DLN, a while back, and he squealed and said he'd never heard of it before, so I figured I should pass it along to you as well as a fellow audio enthusiast. It's called Pulse Effects, and it does what its name suggests, allows you to control your computer's audio input and output streams, as well as apply an effects chain to them. This tool has become an irreplaceable part of my daily workflow. I have various sets of speakers and headphones that all have different sound responses. So this allows me to set EQ and compression presets for specific devices and then recall them automatically as those devices are connected or disconnected. 
My ThinkPad P1 also has potato-grade speakers that can barely be heard in any circumstance, so this is invaluable for watching Netflix with my wife. I can just throw a limiter on there and blast the input gain so we can finally hear things without exploding those puny little speakers. I've even used it to great effect on my microphone when talking to people over Mumble, Discord, etc., as it allows me to properly EQ and compress my voice before sending it out over the wire. I have a background in studio engineering and pro audio, and this app gets my ringing endorsement. Brad, you are speaking my language. I am so happy that you introduced me to this. I do all of those things. Not to mention this can be applied to so many different scenarios in my own life, across different hardware, across different platforms, content creating, content consuming, just chatting with people, uh, like you said, on Mumble and Discord. This is this is terrific. Thank you so much. You can find Pulse Effects at github.com slash WWMM slash Pulse Effects. And the repo does have install instructions for various distros. And it's just as easy as a simple pseudo app install for most people. And don't worry, I'll have a link directly to the app on the show notes at Linux, the number four, everyone.com. I haven't done a proper community voice segment in a little while, so let's rectify that, okay? Before I ask you this question, I want you to pull out your phone or set up your microphone or pop open your email and type in Linux for Everyone. That's spelled out normally. Linux for Everyone at pm.me. I would love to hear or read your responses to this question. It's something that has been consuming a lot of brain cycles lately as I find my comfort zone with something like elementary OS, but then Canonical announces new features for Ubuntu 20.04 or Manjaro's uh, KDE version of 19.0 just looks amazing. Or, you know, the the KDE Plasma 5.18 is coming out next month. And ah, I want to... So it's... I, I don't believe necessarily in a forever distro. I believe in in finding the distro that is right for you based on the circumstances, based on the environment, the needs, the application, and based on the hardware that you're using. I still have Peppermint OS on my XPS 13, and I primarily use that just for playing Magic Arena on Lutris and watching Netflix just because of the stellar battery life. I have Elementary OS on my main uh, Falcon Northwest tower and my Oryx Pro, but I'm playing with this customized version of Kubuntu 1804 on the Kubuntu Focus laptop that I'm reviewing. So here's the question, and we will discuss it next week once I have some of your answers and responses in hand. Do we distro hop out of curiosity, or do we distro hop out of dissatisfaction, or do we distro hop because it's just human nature to often think that what we don't have is better than what we do have? Why do you distro hop? 
Send me your thoughts to linuxforeveryone at pm.me. Before I jump into my chat with Wendy, I want to call your attention to something that just came across my desk this morning. It's written by Derek Taylor, and a lot of you might know Derek as the guy behind DistroTube on YouTube and also on Library. Let's go ahead and listen directly to him introducing what he has written. Codes of Conduct. They have become a controversial topic here lately in the free and open source communities, and really they've become controversial because too many people are interjecting political agendas, and it's time to get rid of all that mess. It's time to create a sane code of conduct, a code of conduct that is apolitical, that isn't trying to push a political agenda. Now, Derek goes on to explain in detail some of the the complaints and the grievances that he has with existing codes of conduct from, for example, the Gnome Foundation. I'm not going to get into the specifics because I like to keep things upbeat, positive, and uh, I don't really have any plans to introduce things of a political nature into what I'm doing here at Linux for Everyone. However, if you do want to watch this entire video from Derek, I'll have a link to uh, the video in the show notes for this episode, episode 24. I'm actually calling this out, and uh, I want to talk a bit about it because of its nature, because it, it aims to strip out any agendas or politics and just focus on treating people well. So let me read the opening paragraph to The Foss, Code of Conduct, which is written by Derek Taylor on January 20th, 2020. This code of conduct is written to guide an individual's choices and actions within the free and open source software, FOSS, community. This code will help one determine the purpose and the course of his work, as well as his place as a member of this community. And now I'm going to actually cut over to Derek reading a few of the points here that he makes, because he's got some commentary that I think is worth listening to. Number one, the ethic of reciprocity. And it goes on to read that the most fundamental ethic is that of reciprocity, which is do unto others as they do unto you. Are you treating others in the manner that they treat you? If you're not, you should probably reconsider your actions, right? And you also need to take into account before you do something, say something kind of crazy, take into account emotional reactions. Emotional reactions of other people to your actions should be calculated, should be carefully calculated before acting, decide how the potential response might benefit you and or the community or how it might hinder you and or the community. I really appreciate this part and and specifically what Derek says about calculating the emotional response to something that you do or say. We we live in a world dominated now by social media in a world where we can impulsively fire off some comment or say something and we don't necessarily think about what happens next. We've said our piece, ah, I feel better. That was cathartic. But we don't think about how it might affect the recipient. 
or how we might be viewed by the community or how the community might view that person in response. So, Derek, I really, really appreciate you going beyond that surface level of, you know, the golden rule and and encouraging people to take it one step further and and really think about the emotional weight of what you're saying and doing. Let's jump over to number four, because I really like this one. Number four, acceptance rather than tolerance. Acceptance is expected among members, but not necessarily tolerance. Tolerance is negative in connotation and in practice. When you tolerate somebody, that's a negative thing, right? You see it as a negative thing if you have to tolerate somebody, right? Tolerance is having to endure with forbearance, with restraint, you know, somebody and their action. It implies that you must fight your own instincts, which is to not like that person. Tolerance kind of requires patience. It, it causes a lot of stress and frustration, too, when you have to tolerate something, right? More importantly, tolerance drains you of your vital energy. Now, energy is not limitless, and you don't want to go around wasting that energy on tolerating people. Direct that energy towards something positive. So instead of tolerance, Focus on acceptance. Acceptance is a positive emotion. It should be practiced by our members. Where tolerance focuses on all the bad aspects of a person or a situation, acceptance is seeing the good in the person or the situation. So when you find yourself becoming irritated at the behavior of others, look deeper, find the positive aspects that are there within each of us. Anyway, you get the idea. This entire FOSS code of conduct that, that Derek has written it employs these subtle shifts in the language that we're accustomed to using. Now, certain sections of his code of conduct might be viewed as divisive. For example, he argues that inequality should actually be celebrated and that we should stop looking at a term like inequality in a negative light and instead view it as something that makes every single person unique. There is one passage that I would outright change. And you know what? That's the beauty of open source. This code of conduct is hosted by Derek on GitLab. And I honestly think that uh, this needs to be revisited and, and tweaked a little bit. I'm going to read it. This is number seven, your value to the community. We as human beings tend to overvaluate ourselves always thinking we are worth more than we actually are. No one ever claims that they are overpaid or treated too well by others. I disagree, Derek. We think we are owed. We are clothed psychologically with pretenses and fraud, but we have to understand that the market is never wrong. You may think that you deserve more money, greater respect, or better treatment, but if no one is willing to give you these things, then the market has priced you accordingly. You must learn to evaluate yourself as an impartial observer. I agree with the last line completely. You must learn to evaluate yourself as an impartial observer. But you know what? So many people, especially creative people, especially developers and musicians, and I don't know, I'm not going to put a label on anybody, but so many of us actually suffer from imposter syndrome where we don't recognize our value to others and to the community. And that's something that needs to be addressed and fought against. And so I think there's a way of retooling this in a more positive light to, you know, this This just sounds like it's kind of throwing everyone under the same blanket. 
and saying, this is how humans act. And I think that that actually conflicts with some of the earlier messaging that Derek has written here. On the whole, I really like Derek's approach. I like his straightforwardness, and I like the tenacity that he has for challenging some of the preconceived notions that we uh, that we have, especially when it comes to the way that a word is interpreted or the way that we look at things like tolerance versus acceptance. I think the entire FOSS Code of Conduct that he's written is worthy of further discussion, so I would encourage everyone to watch the video or uh, read the actual Code of Conduct that he has written, and you'll of course find links to both of those in the show notes for this episode. But I'll just cap this little segment by reminding you guys that Bill and Ted tell us we should be excellent to each other, and I always say take care and take care of each other. So let's do that. Coming up next, my chat with Wendy Hill, professional photographer and co-host of our new show, Hardware Addicts. Wendy, how are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you? Really good. I, I still have the uh, the warm, fuzzy feeling of of being back on the mic finally and, and having all of my Linux hardware around me after being in Nepal for a couple weeks. So uh, this is, I mean, the, doing the show is always fun, but it feels extra special um, this month because of the break, you know? Yes, absolutely. And I know what it's like to miss your setup, the one that's made specifically for th- what you're using it for. And it makes you appreciate it that much more. Well, before we talk about the show, I want to hear uh, a little bit about you. Like, who is Wendy Hill and uh, what is she into? And also, how did you get your start in Linux? I have all kinds of different things that I love to do. We're really active family, camping, hiking, all kinds of fun stuff like that. And that's one way I got my start into my love of photography was just being outdoors and wanting to take pictures of family activities and the beautiful scenery that we were seeing. I recently picked up strength training. So now I lift weights at least four to five times a week. That That's my new love. But I have been into Linux now for about three years. Maybe it's four. I don't know. It's all kind of starting to roll together. You've been using Linux for a few years. Does it still feel new to you? Yes, it really does. There's a whole bunch of the technical stuff that I still don't know. So I call myself an, an everyday user. I can sit down at my computer and and use it as a tool. But there's all of the scripting and a lot of that advanced stuff is still new to me. So I'm still learning all kinds of things when it comes to Linux. Same here. And I don't, I'm getting the feeling that we'll never stop learning it and never stop wanting to learn it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bottomless pit of things that you can learn. So what, uh, what inspired your switch to Linux a few years ago? It was actually my frustration with Windows 10. And I was an early adopter to Windows 10. So I'm sure that was part of my, my gripe. I wanted the new software. And of course, they were still working out additional bugs, and there was these constant updates. But I had turned off certain things, so I didn't want Windows 
sending certain stuff back and I hated Cortana. I didn't want her on. And every time that there'd be an update, she would be back on there. And all of these things that I had turned off were turned back on and I was done. So I started searching for alternatives. And that is when I discovered Linux. And once I found it, I never went back. Were you at the time using Windows 10 uh, software to edit your photos? At the time, I hadn't um, gone pro yet. I wasn't getting oh, receiving okay. money for it. So I was using some different Windows programs, still kind of learning the ropes of editing. And it was a perfect time for me to transition because then I could learn this new software, develop a workflow, and not go from oh my goodness, I have clients that need these images. How do I figure out this new program? That's cool. So you didn't have to really fight your muscle memory. I think that's what prevents a lot of people from switching over is they're used to a certain workflow. They're used to a certain aesthetic and they just don't want to change. So it sounds like you came in at the perfect time because you were learning something new rather than learning something different. I know people that have been doing photography for years. They've been using the same program to edit in for years. They just know what you want to do. Well, anymore, it's for me. If I go to jump from my preferred dark table to try to learn raw therapy, it's kind of frustrating for me because I know what I want to get done. I know what I want my finished image to look like. And it's hard for me to do that in raw therapy because I'm so used to the tools and the workflow of dark table. So when, when you see those conversations, about Windows versus Linux, there, uh, there are many times when creative professionals will jump in and say, look, I appreciate Linux and I would like to switch to it, but there just aren't enough professional tools for me to use, or the tools that are there are lacking in certain features. And you hear this a lot from Adobe users, right? So as a, as a photographer, what would your response be to that? There are some extremely amazing tools when it comes to Linux, and Darktable is one of them. It is professional-grade raw editing software. Where I can see some of their complaints is when it comes to things like GIMP. GIMP is not there yet. It is destructive, and in order to... Go back. Sometimes you have to save previous versions and then go back to a previous save version. So you can end up with a whole bunch of files for one image on your system. But then we have things for video editing where you can get professional grade software. It is proprietary on your system if that is something that you need those extreme tools. Lightworks and DaVinci both work. There is a learning curve, and I know that that is extremely hard for professionals mm -hmm. to do. But if you're wanting to make the switch, if you are tired of the operating system you are on, there are tools to get there. And Linux has an amazing community, especially the Destination Linux network community. They are so helpful that if you have questions and want to know what software to use, how do I learn to use it? Most of the members can point you to a video that shows you how to use the software or a list of software that can fill that need. So I brought up the, the photography angle because I heard you last week on, I think it was episode 10 of DLN Extend talking about Darktable and the, the new 3.0 update to that app. And I have to tell you guys, 
I'm not a professional photographer. I I have a passing interest in, you know, taking nice photos with my phone. But Wendy, you presented your experience with Darktable in in such a approachable way and you made it sound so fun and exciting that I wanted to download it and and start shooting, you know, great photos and editing them and manipulating them in Darktable. And I just wanted to I, I wanted to applaud you on that because it takes a real special kind of approach to to get someone interested in something that they might not have been paying attention to and you know and to discuss it in a way that everyone can understand without all the the technical jargon. That's why I'm really excited about you hosting this new show. So tell us about Hardware Addicts. Hardware Addicts is a show where Three people get to just talk hardware. What's new? What do we like about it? What are we excited for? And we have Ryan, who has been deep into the hardware for a long time. He grew up in a world of hardware, and he's very technical. He knows all of the ins and outs, the jargon of the hardware side. Then there's me, where I'm kind of in the middle, I do heavy research at times when I'm like, yes, I can buy new hardware and go full in, dive in hours of research and price hunting. And then we have Michael, who is new to hardware. He's been deep into the software side for a very long time. He's wanting to understand more about hardware. So we have these three different personalities with three different levels in hardware coming together and talk about what we're doing in hardware every other week. That sounds like a really interesting balance. I, I almost fear for you because I know how opinionated those two can be. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd done some several shows with them before. So but when I agreed to do this show with them, I knew exactly what I was stepping into. I am okay, fully I ready. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as someone who is, uh, I have something called hardware lust. That's just how I describe it. Oh, you yes. know, I see something new, like like these new Manjaro Linux laptops that are coming out from Tuxedo Computers, where you can, where they're they're doing so much customization to these that you could actually get, for example, the Hardware Addicts logo as your super key or Ooh. laser etched onto the lid. If you want, you can get your entire keyboard in Klingon, and so <laughs> like that kind of stuff gets me so amped up. I'm really curious. Can you can you give us like a tease about uh, episode one? Well, in this first episode, we're going to be talking about CES. It recently happened, and it's a great time to talk about what is new, what's coming out, what are we excited about. There might be a few things that we think are, uh, let's say, interesting, but not really <laughs> something the consumer would be <laughs> ready to to drop some cash on. Yeah, CES always has the most bizarre products that you go, you look at it in person, and you're like, oh, this is really brilliant. I'm never going to buy this. Right? There are so many of those things at CES. You're like, yeah, that's fantastic, but there's no way I'm going to spend my money on it. So because this is part of the Destination Linux network, I I wanted to get in front of something and and get some clarification on it. Are we talking about just Linux hardware, or is this just a pure like hardware and technology show? Pure hardware and technology show. There will be some Linux nice. leaning because we are all Linux people. Sure, of course. Yeah, we'll be covering everything from 
the new graphics cards coming out, new CPUs, and then stuff that you can do, make, build yourself with hardware. How can you take a software solution and turn it into a hardware solution that works better and more reliably? Lots of fun. And I know that Ryan Doskeek has a huge list of projects that he is ready to challenge all of the listeners in doing. All right, Wendy. So tell us where we can get Hardware Addicts, when we can get it, and if you guys are accepting guest hosts named Jason. Well, we are definitely accepting guest hosts named Jason. Nice. So our first episode is out now. You can find it at Destination Linux Network. And it is also posted to the Destination Linux Network YouTube. All right. Awesome. Well, hey, before uh, before you say goodbye, tell us where we can find you on social media and anywhere else that you'd like people to check you out. I can occasionally be found in the different Telegram groups at the Wendy Power. My photography website is currently down. I'm redoing it, redoing my portfolio. And I had plans to do the full website switch before the one completely went out. Holidays happened. So it's taking longer than I'd like. And you can also find me at MeWe. That is the one social website I use at this point. Cool. Well, we'll have a link to those uh, in the show notes for this episode. And welcome to Destination Linux Network. I'm really excited to hear this. And keep keep Michael and Ryan in check, though, seriously. I do my best. Sometimes, goodness sakes, they get to arguing. (laughs) Well, thanks again, Wendy, and uh, we'll talk soon. Before I sign off for this week's episode, I have a metric ton of housekeeping to do, which is why I put this in the back end of the show. And I do hope that you'll stick around, though, because there's a lot of cool stuff happening, beginning with a Destination Linux Network game night for charity, which starts February 1st. And you can find all the details over at destinationlinux.network. But uh, me and Michael and Ryan, and a bunch of other people from the community and the Destination Linux show will be doing a game night, a very long one, which will probably bleed over into the late early morning or late night, depending on where you're living. We're doing it for our charity, Free Geek. One of the biggest goals behind Free Geek is their mission to bridge the digital divide. So they work really hard to reuse as much of the donated technology as possible, and they also spread Linux around by providing programs for people to obtain computers, and Linux is, of course, used to power those programs. If you want to learn more about FreeGeek, check out episode 151 of Destination Linux. Now, during the game night, as a special incentive, the wonderful people over at Zorin OS have agreed to give the first 30 people who donate $40 or more a free copy of Zorin OS 15 Ultimate. So stay tuned to uh, my Twitter account 
and Destination Linux's social media and destinationlinux.network for all the details. And I'll keep you posted on next week's episode as well. We're really looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. The second item of housekeeping, do you like coffee? Because it seems like everybody in Telegram, with the exception of Ian, sorry, Ian, uh, really loves coffee, and they also really love Linux. So you can now buy a special limited edition Linux for Everyone mug, which features the, uh, the Linux for Everyone logo that you know on the front, and on the back, a special Coffee for Everyone logo. That's available right now at the Destination Linux store, and I've got a hoodie for you as well, because it's getting cold out there. I know a lot of links on this episode, and this these will also be there. So uh, make sure you check out Linux, the number four, everyone.com for all the details and links. Number three, I have the Kubuntu Focus, which is a brand new laptop that's kind of aimed at power users, developers, and gamers. And it's officially endorsed by the Kubuntu Council and Canonical. It's being offered by Tuxedo Computers and it's pretty cool so far. I have a first impressions video on the Linux for Everyone YouTube channel, so check that out. It's like four or five minutes, and it gives you kind of a, a real quick rundown and what I thought uh, about the first boot and how everything looks and what programs are included and things like that. Number four, my wife Lana, aka Terminal Girl, will be back, I promise. Uh, we've just had a tough time getting our schedules aligned so that she can sit down with me and talk about her month with Ubuntu. Well, folks, I think that's going to do it for episode 24 of Linux for Everyone. Thank you so much for listening and for your support, whether that is financial or emotional or uh, just, you know, all the great conversations that we have across Mastodon and Facebook and Telegram and Twitter. There's a lot of ways to get in touch with me, whichever one works for you works for me. And also make sure to join the entire community over at the Destination Linux Network Forum, which is at discourse.destinationlinux.network. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, take care and take care of each other.